Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Holm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome, everyone, to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I am your host, Monique Hom. On this show, I interview amazing, badass real estate investing women like our guest, Alicia Jarrett, who's here with me today. She's a passionate and driven global real estate investor based out of Australia and conducts deals in the US. So for all of those who are thinking, wow, it's really hard to invest where like outside of where I live and they're thinking of investing in a different state. Imagine investing thousands of miles away. It is possible. And she's a great example of, of that. She has multiple businesses with her partner, Matthew, including Global Citizens Holding, an investor business, land scouts, a land wholesaling and investing business, supercharged offers and acquisition marketing services for all real estate investors. And she's focused on investing in land and providing business efficient real estate marketing solutions and world-class data solutions for people. And she's also an experienced leadership and executive coach, business management specialist. She's worked with all sorts of people. She's amazing. And I'm so happy to have her with us. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you, Monique. I love that you just used the word badass because that, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> badass and goddesses. They go yeah, together. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so thank, thank you so much for having me on today. It's an absolute pleasure to be speaking with you and, uh, and for all of those listening. So thank you again. It's a pleasure to have you. And my, I don't know how many people know, but my husband is from Australia. He's from Sydney. So I love, love, love Australia. And I love having Aussies on. I think you are, you're only the, my third, third Aussie on the show. So I'm happy to have so tell us, how did you get started in real estate investing? Yeah, and it's interesting. I love that that's your first question because when I was listening to you have your introduction and talking about you know, people that might be thinking, oh, it might be hard to invest from a different state to what they live in. From the other side of the world sounds crazy and we know it sounds crazy. But where we got started, Monique, was really, you know, Matt and I had done quite a bit of real estate here in Australia. It wasn't our background. So I have a background in leadership and consulting and training. He has a background in technology and IT. But we'd already had a couple of properties over here. We'd done some and fix some flips. We've done some investing and we were just kind of really thinking about, well, what's next? Because we are nomadic by nature. So Matt and I love to travel and we wanted to make sure that we could have a business that we could do from anywhere in the world and make sure that, that one of it was, you know, a cash flow engine and, uh, and real estate was one of those. So how we got started is we were really just looking at well, what are the different strategies that we can do here in Australia? And that led us to explore what else could we do around the world? Can and I, can I enough, uh, interrupt and sure move you, you even further back? Because you said you didn't have a real estate background. You were in consulting. He was in technology. How did you even start in Australia? What made you start real estate investing at all? Yeah, so, so real estate investing in Australia, we have some pretty interesting strategies over here. And one of them is to own rental properties that you can do what's called negative gearing. Now, for those listening, with what I'm about to explain, they're going to probably scratch their head and go, that sounds like a crazy strategy. But um, but in here, over here in Australia, if you have 
rental properties. And most of the time, because of the cost of real estate over here, you actually end up in the negative. So the cost of a property and what it, what it costs to pay the mortgage on that property versus the rent that you will get for that property, you end up behind. But that strategy means that you can offset that loss as well as offset all of the costs against your taxes. So if you are somebody that's in a high earning tax bracket, which when Matt and I were employed by other people, as opposed to having our own business, we were both high earners. So we were both, you know, in that six figure earner category, which meant we were in the highest tax bracket. So we We looked at rental properties as a way to offset taxes, but equally start to build up a portfolio of assets. But there's only so much you can do with that before it starts to not make sense, right? It's almost uh, instead of... It's too negative. Yeah, it's too (laughs) negative. It really does. I think the shift in the market over here and a few things that were happening and our government started to talk about uh, removing negative gearing altogether because negative gearing in its essence is, if I can be so blunt as to say this, it's like the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer because the rich people end up paying less in their taxes because, you know, we're, we're trying to use that as a tax reduction strategy and we're building up assets and therefore we're not putting money back into the system, so to speak. So the government's been talking for a while about abolishing negative gearing altogether. But if they do that, it's going to throw the entire market into a tailspin because we need rental properties. We need people that can supply rental properties and we still need a competitive market for renters. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But anyway, how we got into it is we were thinking that that's not a long-term strategy for us. So what else could we do? Hence, we started to look at different markets. And um, and really where we got started, I've talked about this on a few other podcasts as well, but I'm one of these people, being that I speak for a living and, and I, I train for a living, I love going and seeing other people speak and seeing what they do with their keynotes and, and all of that. And so I went along to a, a two-day speak fest, for lack of a better word, where all these people from around the world were coming and doing keynote talks about their businesses and how they started and what direction they're taking and all of these things. And one of them whose name I cannot remember now, but he was from the States. This is going back five years ago now. And he was talking about since the crash in the market, what he's doing to buy houses that nobody wants and fix them up and, you know, put families back into homes. So that kind of pulled at my heartstrings a little bit because we're all about helping out our community. And uh, and we then went and signed up for a course on how to do fix and flipping from another country. <laughs> so where we started, Monique, was actually in houses. We bought and, uh, and did up quite a few houses in Florida. We did some houses in areas that I remember one area in particular that we had a house in that uh, our contracting team and our realtor that was helping us out, they were actually armed. And they said to me, you know, don't go out of our sight because uh, this is not not the world's greatest area. But we ended up putting a family in there that, you know, it's affordable housing. And we ended up fixing it and putting a family in there and giving them a safe place to live. So, you know, we did some pretty crazy things, but we loved it and we got the bug and we caught the bug on doing business in the state. And that's now evolved from there. So that's the long version. But yeah, we had a great time learning all about it. And uh, we absolutely adore doing business in the States because of the opportunity that that presents. And this is such a good lesson. And it's something that I had to learn because I had assumed, and I think a lot of people do, that you have to invest where you live, where you can drive to your property, touch it, fix it, like self-manage it. And that there was, you know, to find out when I did that, oh, one of my mentors had said, live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. Yeah. And I went, oh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it until I, I heard that, that right? <laughs> 
And so that literally opened up the world to me. What you were talking about in Australia is something that, you know, I live in LA. And when I was investing here, if we broke even, we were thrilled. Right. So it's not right. that it only happens in Australia in certain expensive markets in the US. Yeah. It's a similar thing. People they're they're just like, oh, well, it if it pays for itself or if it just loses a tiny bit, <laughs> then they think that's winning. And yeah. that, but you know, that's just to know that there are other markets where there's actually cash flows. <laughs> like imagine exactly. that. Like imagine positive that. cash flow. <laughs> And, and the tax cash flow. <laughs> yeah, double digit cash flow and tax benefits too. So you can get all of that. I love it. So it sounds like you're a little more focused on land. How did you get into we, the land uh, side? Yeah. yeah. So again, we did a, a couple of houses and, and we loved it and we had fun with it. But doing a fix and flip on a house from another state, let alone another country, can be pretty stressful when it goes wrong. So our first couple of houses went brilliantly. We had a great team in place. We had a really awesome realtor that was helping us out. He's still on our team today. Everything went smoothly until our last house. And that didn't go so smoothly. And I guess our learnings there were, okay, first of all, we can see, and this was only a couple of years ago that we shifted into land. And it was at that stage, uh, Monique, that almost every person you spoke to in real estate was doing some kind of fix and flipping. And so what we saw is the market had tightened really a lot on a couple of things. It had tightened on the ability to get a great deal that still made sense in the numbers by the Mm -hmm. time you did your your ARV and fixed it up and put it back onto the market. But it had also meant that getting a good contract team was pretty tough and keeping them. (laughs) So our last half, our last half nearly broke us. We were just like, oh my goodness, if this couldn't get any more stressful, then I don't (laughs) know what is. And uh, so we then paused at that point. And I think it's really important in business to do that regularly, to just go time out is this still aligned with our strategy and is it giving us the results that we want and the lifestyle as to how we want to work? And the answer to all three of those questions was a resounding no. We thought, okay, well, what's next? What other asset classes can we look at? And my partner, Matt, was doing some research and he came across uh, Jack and Michelle Bosch, who we know really well, and I know you do too. Yeah, and uh, Michelle on, we just did a webinar. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so they're great. And uh, so Matt went over and did uh, Jack's training and we ended up in part of their mastermind group, which we made some great connections with. And and from that point on, it was like land just makes sense. You know, as you and I were talking offline before, and uh, this is what we learned from Jack, and no termites, no to- to- toilets, no tenants, no trash. <laughs> All of those things made sense. So we started to get into land and we learned from them. And, and we've just taken our business, you know, uh, leaps and bounds from there. Amazing. That's so great. Yeah, land is a fascinating, fascinating asset class and one that I hadn't thought of until I met Michelle. Like, why would you do <laughs> like, why would you do yeah. land? I just know. How can you make any money with land? Okay. There's nothing on it. It's like, <laughs> that's the point. There's nothing on it. <laughs> but through flipping or wholesaling land, then there's a, you know, seller financing land. There's a lot of money you can make on it and you can cash flow land, which is so cool. So what... I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to ask my favorite question because I find that we learn so much more when things don't go right than when they do. So what would you say was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? Can I give you two? Sure. I double, think one double of our, the juiciness. Uh, double double uh, the, the amount. So 
Our first biggest mistake when we had that final house that I mentioned before is we veered away from our strategy. So we were always looking at affordable housing. We were getting houses, you know, in areas where affordable housing was needed and a lot of houses were were pretty trashed and people had walked away from them. And we were doing those up and putting them back into the market to provide affordable housing. That final house that we did, I don't know what it was. I think we got a little bit you know, our glasses got a little bit fogged at that point and we went after a property that was a higher-end property. We veered away from our strategy and it was the worst decision ever because we were at a higher price point to enter that property, but it also meant that our costs of fixing up that property were higher. And by the time we got the property completed, which, you know, it was double the time, it ended up being about 10 months for the property to be rehabbed. Our other properties were six to eight weeks. So by the time we finished it and put it back onto the market, the market had already shifted in terms of you know buyer and seller behavior. And that was one of our massive learnings is when you have a strategy, stick to it. Yeah. And we certainly do that in our land business a lot now. So we, we have a very defined strategy and we check in regularly. Is that strategy working? Are we on track with that strategy? You know, what, what things do we need to alter with that strategy? So that was a big learning for us early on. The second learning that I think is a, a really, really funny story to share, and this, this just goes to show that we're all human, right? Our very first mailing that we ever did with land. So we were super excited. We got all of our data ready. We got our mailings ready. We sent out quite a few thousand mailers to a specific area that we were targeting, and we sit there and we were doing this. <laughs> when are the calls going to come in? And there was nothing. And when I say nothing, I'm talking like weeks later, we were still going, it's, it's nothing. What your yeah, crickets, what's going on? <laughs> Till finally we got a phone call from this absolutely gorgeous woman who said to us, I don't know who you guys are, but have you stolen my identity? And we were like, what? <laughs> and she said, I'm getting all of these calls on my phone for people that are wanting to sell land. And it was from this company called Landscout. I couldn't work out who you were. I thought you'd stolen my identity. So I did some research into you guys and finally found out who you were. And anyway, here's my name and here's what what I'm about. What are you guys about? (laughs) And what had actually happened, Monique, is on our letters, we had one typo in the phone number. Just one digit was around the wrong way. So So she kept getting all your calls. She was getting all our calls. She's like, I don't know who you are. Stop calling me. (laughs) Stop calling. Get these people to stop calling me. uh, Did you, uh, by any chance, take note of who they were that called you? Here's the brilliant thing. I I, I don't know who was watching over us at this point in time, but this wonderful woman, and I won't say her name because I want to keep her privacy where it should be, but she actually worked in sales. And it was only a week or two into her starting to get calls that she was like, something's going on here. She actually kept note of all the people that were calling until she got hold of us. Oh. And uh, and when she did get hold of us, the, the first thing we did is apologize profusely. And we said, oh, my goodness, we are so sorry. Now that we can see when we open up our letter and we're looking at a number, we can see that we literally got two numbers around the wrong way. So it was just a typo. And, uh, and we said, how can we rectify this with you? And uh, so we ended up doing business with her. Oh, that's amazing. We turned it around in a situation where we said, okay, well, if you can take our calls and we'll stop sending letters with the wrong number and all of our future mailers will make sure we double check the number. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And what we did is we ended up getting her to take all of our messages and she would just email us daily and say, all right, these people have called, here's their number, call them back. These people have called, here's their number, call them back. So she was almost like our sales receptionist there for a short period of time. <laughs> That's great. And then we actually rewarded her and her husband with, uh, you know, getting them in on some deals, which was great. And then I found out what their favorite restaurant was and sent them a, a big voucher 
just so they could go and eat there a few times and struck up a relationship with her. But again, that was a massive mistake. But I think the learning from us there is how do you turn those around? Yeah. Because we all make mistakes. Yeah. We all make mistakes and we're all human and we're learning as we go. And uh, so our learning there was, you know, be kind to the people that are on the the brunt end of your mistakes. Look at ways to turn it around and look at ways to really make sure that everything you do in your business. So now we've got checklists for everything. Everything has a checklist so that we're always triple checking what's going out, our data, our, our offers, you name it, there's a checklist out for it. So that was a good one. Hey, goddess, have you been sitting on the sidelines and you're now ready to get started investing in real estate? If so, join me for my free online training, how to get started in real estate investing as a busy professional woman. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash W-R-E-I-G to register for our complimentary training and to learn how to get investing in real estate like a goddess today. See you there. And what are you most proud of? I am actually most proud of the risks that Matt and I have taken because I'm sure that there is a lot of people, not only in the States, but certainly our friends and family here that are often looking at what we're doing and they're like, you guys are a little bit crazy. But we kind of look at that and go, well, that's crazy good because we do take risks. We are the kind of people, and I'm proud that we've backed ourselves with a lot of the things that we've decided to do. So we've now got four businesses in the state, so land is just one of them. And we're always taking those calculated risks to do better and get bigger and try things differently. And not, I don't want to use the word disrupt money because I think that's a little bit overused, but we're often looking for ways to challenge the real estate industry in the States and look at how do we do things more efficiently and effectively? And we do that through the lens of the fact that we're in another country. So we need to look at how we run our business with a lot of efficiency and a lot of effectiveness, even down to, you know, some of the things that people get taught in this business are quite manual and quite archaic in their practices. I mean, real estate's one of these oldest industries, right? So I'm really proud of the fact that we always challenge the status quo and look for what's a better way to do that. Even Can though I'm we, sure a lot of people think we're crazy. <laughs> Can you share, share an example of what I had? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people will say, if I can lean into like our, our marketing business, for example. So, mm-hmm. you know, when everybody goes and gets taught how to do real estate investing, be that if they're single family homes, multifamily, mobile home, land, you name it. A lot of educators out there will say, well, go and get your list, you know, go to a list provider or go to the county and go and get your list and do these things and then go and do some marketing. And that's all great. But we needed to look at, well, how do we do that from an automated perspective and how do we make sure that we never miss the mailings and how do we make sure that we're increasing the customer experience around marketing? And let me just pause and, and tell you what I mean by that, money. So if we're just sending out mailers, then the customer experience is that they're just going to get a mail from us. And depending upon their demographic, that might not be the way that they want to do business with us. So we really look at customer experiences. What are all the different ways through active marketing and mechanisms and processes and systems? What are all the different ways that any type of seller or buyer for that fact can get in touch with us to do business? Because when we started this land business, you know, going on three to four years ago now, most of the people that we were dealing with were probably that older generation in their 60s to 80s who had been sitting on land for quite some time and, you know, needed to get rid of it. 
some of those people have now passed on and we've got that intergenerational land. Like one of our sellers at the moment that we're dealing with is 19. Now they don't, they don't deal in paperwork. (laughs) They deal online, virtually. They want to SMS us back. They want to do all these different things. So we put in place a system called supercharged offers where all of our data is cleansed and done in a specific way. We don't go to a data house or a county and download a list. We've actually invested really heavily in building our own database, which again, a lot of people are going to look at us and go, wow, that's a bit crazy. But if you've got control over your data and you're building your data to give you outcomes as opposed to just a list, then that makes more business sense. Then what we've done is we've automated the way that our mailings are done, our marketing is done, and how when a lead comes through to our team, how that's also done in a way that's quite seamless. So we're always looking for the most efficient way to do things because, you know, a lot of our business happens while we're asleep. Yeah. So we need an engine that keeps running for us no matter what day or what day of the week or time of the day it is. So that's a high level example for you of how we've really automated a lot of our acquisitions processes that are very different to how what most people are taught. Love it. Let me ask you, to what do you attribute your success? That's always an interesting question. So I attribute our success to the fact that we have some pretty big goals in our life uh, that Matt and I want to achieve and that we want to live with full respect to our family who we all love dearly, but we want to live a very different life to the one that we both experienced growing up. We don't come from any wealthy backgrounds where we had fabulous holidays and we lived this life of luxury. No, but we came from what we would call the the school of hard knocks. So all of our parents worked hard. We were, you know, in living in average houses in average families and we had a good life, but it wasn't a life of abundance. And when I talk abundance, I'm not necessarily just meaning monetary wealth. I'm meaning that we attribute our success to the fact that we're driven by abundance where we want to give back to our family, to our community, to our friends, to those that we work with. We want to be able to pay things forward. So we're very driven. I know this sounds like the old adage of, you know, what's your why? Our why is actually pretty big and it goes a lot more than what I've just said there. But we attribute our success to the fact that when it gets hard and it gets hard a lot, you know, doing business the way we do is not easy. But when we go through those hard times, we don't give up. We look at those hard times as a challenge and a positive challenge of, okay, how can we do that better? How can we fix that problem and come up with a new way of doing business? How can we you know, overcome that obstacle, but do it in a way that we put something in place that it doesn't happen again? Whereas I think a lot of people in this business, um, those who aren't successful and bless them and, and, I, and we want to help them. But for those that aren't successful, I think when stuff gets hard, it's easy to go, well, that doesn't work. Whereas when stuff gets hard for us, we go, it can work. We've just got to do it differently. Love it. What advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? Yeah, I love that question. One, I've got a few pieces of of advice if that's okay. But my first piece of advice is don't let other people tell you what you can and can't do. I think it's very common, and this is whether you're a woman or a man, it's very common that if you're doing something that is going against the grain of what your friends and family are doing, they're very quickly going to go, maybe that's not possible, or why would you do that, and start to question you. And as a woman, I think this happens more in our female brain than what it does in in the male brain. We have this little voice that goes, maybe they're right. Maybe I am a bit crazy. Like, should I be doing this? Don't listen to that voice. (laughs) And don't 
listen and surround yourself with people that tell you you can't. Listen and surround yourself with people that tell you that that you can and that it's possible. I mentioned a mutual friend that we have in common before and we now surround ourselves with people in that caliber that we're all pushing each other to do better and be better and think bigger. And that's great. So my advice to any woman who's starting out is be your own boss and, and own those outcomes and own those decisions. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't. Find the people and surround yourself with those that go, yeah, you can. Yeah, love that. And what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? (laughs) I wish we had known everything about five years earlier than what we did. (laughs) I think we'd be further along in the game if, uh, and I'm not talking about the market crash because that happened and everyone made their way through that in, in some way, shape or form. But I just wish we had got started sooner because we're really loving what we're doing and we're creating some pretty amazing processes and systems and ways of working that if we had have started sooner, I think some of those goals that we've got in mind, we would have reached them by now. We're definitely on the way to reaching them, but maybe we would have got them sooner. And Matt and I, you know, we're both in our mid forties and I just think, imagine what we would be doing with our lives. Maybe if COVID hadn't happened, if we had have started this in our mid thirties, you know, what would be different? So that's what I wish I had known then is all the things that we're doing, but just knowing them earlier. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, And I guess my piece of advice I'd say to anybody around that is if you're interested in something and you have an idea about it, don't put it off. Just explore it and get in there. Like when I started my own business, I've got another business outside of this around consulting and training. And when I was leaving my full-time job to go and do that, it took me about two years to make that decision because the fear of leaving that great paycheck and going and backing myself and doing something on my own was a big, big risk and a big leap. But again, in hindsight, I should have just taken that leap at the time and done it. Yeah. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, but generally it? speaking, <laughs> if we can, like, I think that's one of the that's people's biggest regrets is not what they did do, but what they didn't or didn't do exactly. sooner. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's you know coming back to some of the secrets of our success, Monique. We definitely, Matt and I both have the mindset, we don't want to be turning around in 5, 10, 15, even 20 years time and going, gee, I wish I had to try that. We'd rather try it and fail and learn from that and grow as opposed to not trying it at all. Fail forward. Fail forward and fail fast. (laughs) (laughs) Fail, Fail fast, fail often, fail forward. All right. Beautiful. Before we get into our famed end of show trinity, which is a brag of gratitude and desire. How can people connect with you to find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, sure. That They can email me direct. I'm more than happy for, for people to contact me direct. And that is uh, Alicia, so A-L-I-C-I-A. I always spell that out because like you, Monique, we were talking about before that nobody ever gets our names right. So Alicia at superchargedoffers.com. That's one word. They can give me or my team a call. And we are on 888-538-5478. They can also go onto our website at superchargedoffers.com and book some time with us. We're more than happy to do a consulting call about people's businesses. That's mainly our marketing business. Our land business is uh, is alicia at landscouts.com. So they can get in touch with me there as well. And all the, the links will be in the show notes. All right, beautiful. So time for our famed end of show trinity what is uh one thing you're celebrating right now what's your brag my brag right now i think is the fact that uh so pre-covid we would spend a couple of months in the states a couple of months here a couple of months in the states a couple of months here and we'd go back and forth and over the last uh well more than almost coming up 18 months now since we uh took the emergency flight home from the states to come back to australia 
we haven't been able to travel. But my brag about that is that our business is doing better than ever and we really sounds like a cliche word, but we've pivoted some of the ways that we're doing business and really embracing more than ever doing business virtually from the other side of the world and really looking at all of the things that we can put in place that would make that better. The brag about that is we're actually now sharing a lot of that with people that are in the States because it doesn't matter where you are. All of the things that we're learning are things that you can implement wherever. As a result of that, I've actually started a networking group and I've got people in it from Spain, Germany, UK, Ireland, Asia, Israel, Bosnia, Canada, and South America, just to name a few. All of those people have found me as a result of what we're doing. And uh, we now meet once a month to talk about all the different ways that we're doing business from all of those countries into the States. So I'm really proud of the network that we're building and how we're helping people to be able to, to help their businesses. Beautiful. Well, Brack, what's one thing you're grateful for? I am grateful for many things. I'm grateful for, you know, my awesome parents who just support me no matter what. I know that they they might listen to this and think that we're a little crazy and they're starting to understand some of what we do because when you're in your late 70s and we're talking about some of the things that we're doing in business, I think they glaze over every now and then and they're like, okay, but they have such unwavering love and support for what we're trying to do. And second to that is the love and support of my partner, Matt. I think working together in a relationship is extremely challenging at times. And and we've had our ups and downs as a result of that, but more than anything, it's actually made us stronger. So we're an awesome partnership and I'm extremely grateful for him pushing me when I need to, but him being open to me pushing him when he needs it as well. And last but not least, what's one thing you desire? One thing I desire, more than anything at the moment, I desire to get back on a plane and start traveling again because we are (laughs) missing it so much. But uh, that would be one thing I desire. I think the other thing that I desire is for our business to just keep growing and and getting bigger and better because it is on a trajectory and, and we're loving the path that it's doing. So my desire is to be able to help more people make their businesses better because by us doing that, we get better. Beautiful. So shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Oh, thanks, Monique. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thank you. That was awesome. I loved hearing your story. Y'all, you can connect with Alicia at superchargedoffers.com and also at landscapes.com. And uh, connect with me at reigoddesses.com. There uh, you can find out about our investor club, our upcoming events and our trainings, and just get connected with our sisterhood. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get more amazing interviews with badass women like Alicia at Real Estate Investor Goddesses Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.